Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Nights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And on today's episode of the Obsidian Nights podcast, where we go through chapter by chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire, starting with the first book, A Game of Thrones, um, we're covering John 5. And in John 5, I have a special guest that's going to help me cover John 5. And this special guest happens to be a huge Jon Snow fan. And guess what? His name is Jonathan. Jonathan, <laughs> welcome to Obsidian Nights. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Gray? I'm good. Would you like to tell the people who you are and where they can find you? All right. Well, I'm Jonathan. Some people call me John. You can find me on Twitter at Blurred Rhythm. You can also find me on Tumblr at the same or even twitch.tv at the same. I talk a lot about Game of Thrones. I talk about Star Wars. I talk about all types of stuff. I haven't really been streaming as much as I used to, but I'm hoping to get back to that eventually. But yeah, Twitter and Tumblr are really the biggest places to find me. So you stream about Game of Thrones on Twitch? No, I stream video games, but I end up talking about whatever I feel like talking about. So eventually that happens too. Oh, that's awesome. I will link his Twitch, Tumblr, and Twitter in the description box so you can check him out. So like before we started recording, you were telling me that Jon Snow is your favorite character or one of your favorites. Yeah, so it it kind of cycles between three characters. So John, Danny, and Tyrion are my top three. Okay. And I have a whole I have a whole theory about those three. And I guess we'll probably get to that in this conversation because <laughs> Well well let's get started then. Let's All get right. started. So the chapter opens up and we are at Castle Black at the wall. And the chapter opens like this. You are as hopeless as any boys I have ever trained, Sir Alistair Thorne announced when they had all assembled in the yard. Your hands were made for manure, shovels, not for swords. And if it were up to me, the lot of you would be set to herding swine. But last night I was told that Guerin is marching five new boys up the King's Road. One or two may even be worth the price of piss to make room for them. I have decided to pass eight of you on to the Lord commander to do with as he will. He called out the names one by one toad stonehead aurochs lover pimple monkey sirloon last. He looked at John and the bastard <sighs> pip let fly a whoop and thrust his sword into the air. Sir Alistair fixed him with a reptile stare. They will call you men of the Night's Watch now, but you are bigger fools than the mummer's monkey here if you believe that. You are boys, still green and stinking of summer, and when the winter comes, you will die like flies. And with that, Sir Alistair Thorne took his leave of them. (laughs) What's your thoughts on Sir Alistair Thorne? 
One Batman is one bitter dude. Like, I mean, I get his bitterness because all he did was fight on the wrong side of the war and now he's stuck at the Night's Watch. But like, Batman can insult you. (laughs) Yes. He's very, he's very bitter. And mm -hmm. I think the dynamic between John and Sir Alistair Thorne is really interesting because if you think about it, Sir Alistair Thorne actually is at the wall because he fought for John's family. Yeah. So it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Like if, if I'm, I'm pretty sure we're all, but we're all pretty convinced that R plus L equals J. So it'd be interesting. And I think I heard you talk about it in other episodes about, it'd be interesting if he had found out if John was Rhaegar's son, how yeah. he would react to him. Yeah. I, Hope that we're all on the R plus L equals J page. I feel like if we're not, we should be. (laughs) (laughs) But I do understand. Like, I get it. Mm -hmm. And plus A equals J is interesting. It's interesting. It's fun. It's fun. But I think it's pretty much proof by what the writers of Game of Thrones have said and what George has said that it is R plus L equals like George has never outright said R plus L equals J, but he said that D and D guessed John's mother correctly. And D and D in my opinion, don't have the brain capacity to put M plus A equals J together. Yeah. I think, (laughs) I think, I think George wrote too many clues in to R plus L to not equal J. But I wouldn't be mad if N plus A equals J, but I feel like R plus L equals J is the logical progression from every clue he's left or most of the clues he's left so far. Well, I know this is a little bit of a jump from this chapter, but what do you think is the significance of R plus L equals J? Um, Like in the big picture, like for long night, the wars to come, like it's it's got to be he's got he's got to be the third head of the dragon, which is what Rhaegar's intention was with marrying Lyanna and having a baby by her. I I don't think it happened the way it happened on the show. I don't think it was a whole love story type of deal. Mm-hmm. I think I think Rhaegar as as he got more in depth in the prophecy, I think he had his own form of quote-unquote Targaryen madness when it came to the prophecy and he mm-hmm. wanted to do whatever it took to make it happen and I agree. meeting meeting and and I think I think he seduced Liana, but I don't think he fell in love with her the way that the show made it out to be or that a lot of people like to think it is yeah I don't think it was this love at first sight kind of thing yeah but I I definitely think that he cared about her and she cared about him. I think she was probably in love with him. He did seduce her, but we know that Rhaegar is a prophecy motivated person. Mm -hmm. He's very prophecy motivated. So I definitely think that it's more, I need to do this to save the world. Yeah. Then I need to do this because I love this person. Definitely. And I think I think maybe if they had both survived, he may have come to care for her the way he came to care for Elia Martel. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't think they had enough time together for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That love at first sight stuff is I don't I don't buy it. 
at all. <laughs> I don't buy it. So basically, John, what's going on at the wall right now is that John and some of his friends are being passed. They've passed their training. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sir Alistair is basically chewing them out or whatever. But one thing that he says is interesting is like, you are um, green boys stinking of summer. And when winter comes, you will die like flies. And I found that interesting because when we think about winter, like just in general, like take the White Walkers out of the equation. Like historically, winter was a very scary time in the real world. Um, like they had whole winter solstice festivals, like where people would like they had harvest festivals and winter solstice festivals all to prepare for winter. And there's like a lot of darkness when you mm-hmm. think about winter. And even in mythology, like winter is tied to darkness and it's a scary, 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 scary time. And I've always like thought of the wall and the way they talk about winter as like talking about some sort of doom, mm-hmm. like faded doom, even in the prologue when they're like describing Garrett and like his ears are missing and he's been frostbitten and it just winter just is so dark and scary in game of thrones in a song of ice and fire and i think that resonates with real world winter mm-hmm. and for him to like you know like you guys are gonna die like flies but at the same time sir your job is to train these people and you haven't done it honestly sir alistair reminds me of like that movie caricature of an army of an army commander like cussing out the recruits every time they're doing something <laughs> like um what is that what is that movie i love like a uh, major pain and full metal jacket or a full metal jacket yeah that's another <laughs> full, good one full metal jacket like the way that he's on gomer pile like mm-hmm. that that guy's always fucking with gomer pile like i feel like that's alistair thorne like that guy could have played alistair thorne Mm-hmm. to a T and major pain too. Yeah. And as far as winter goes, and I think it really resonates with the Stark words, like that, that whole winter is coming because the Starks pretty much have been other than the Night's Watch, the only people caring about winter. Yes. You know, they're like, they're defending the North from everything that goes on. They do all this, this harvesting and this collecting and this making sure that, at least as far as the North is concerned, people are okay. And when they look at how the South treats winter as like, it's just whatever. And they're like, the, the Southerners will never understand what winter really is because they've never experienced it the way we have. Yeah. And so I think that's, I think that's something because, because Alistair Thorne has been at the wall for, what is it? 15 years at this point. Yeah. I think he's starting to get that understanding of what winter is so as much as he's cussing them out it is also his way of warning them like this is no joke you guys can die out here Mm -hmm. i mean that's true and it's interesting like john's chapters always remind you so when you're reading a game of thrones one of my favorite things about a song of ice and fire is that these characters are written from point of views. Mm -hmm. So you're in these characters' heads. And when you're reading the things that are going on in the South, 
in contrast with the things that are going on in the north and the things that are going on in Essos, like mm-hmm. in da- with Danny, it's so drastically different. So like in the south, we know that there's about to be a war. We know mm-hmm. that a war is coming because Catelyn has taken Tyrion, the Lannisters are building an army, but we know in the north that at the wall that they're preparing for winter and we know that because of the prologue that there's something more to winter than it just being a dark period of time we know that there's something magical going on we know from brand's pov that the wildlings that are at the wall are fleeing from something mm-hmm. so john's povs always bring us back to the real threat right and i love that because it's easy to get like even as the reader it's easy to forget the white walkers yeah cuz like forget. we spend so little time talking about them yeah it's like we're all worried about oh what's going to happen with with Eddard and, and King's Landing what's going to happen with Cat and Tyrion what's going to happen with with Sansa and Arya and all of these people and then you come back to John and it's like there's more to this story than the politics right oh shit there's we forgot about this yeah like real shit's about to happen (laughs) (laughs) right so they're excited john Mm -hmm. and friends are excited that you know they're of the night's watch um they're they're happy and Mm -hmm. sam even like you know it's like offering John wine like you're going to be the first lord commander or you're going to be the lord commander of the night's yeah, watch well, like you're going to be first ranger just like uncle your uncle Oh yeah ranger. first ranger not lord commander lord of mercy you're going to be first <laughs> ranger just like benjen and the thought of benjen brings oh. up uh bad feels yeah cuz we still don't know what happened to him we don't and the Night's Watch people don't know, you know, what. And, then, and, and I think I think later in the chapter, based, I think either later in the chapter or in previous chapters, they're already writing him off as dead, I think. Yeah, they are. They're writing him off as dead. And John, in the previous John chapter, I don't know if it was the one right before this. I don't know if it was John 4 or John 3, but mm-hmm. John has a vision a dream, I think, where he sees Benjen de- with in with blood in the snow or something like that. Like, yeah, I think, I think when I it's when his horse comes back. Mm-hmm. It's when his horse comes yeah. back. So, he sees yeah, it. I think that would have been John four. Yeah. Because um, John four, John four is also when. He's defending Sam from Rast. Yeah, it is. So it's John Four. Yeah. Rast bitch ass. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> but, but poor Sam. Like at this point, he's like, I'm getting left behind. Yeah. He is. And it's gonna work out for Sam. It's gonna work out for Sam. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna be talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it. Sam's like in a bad position because Sam had John and his friends protecting him from Sir Alistair. Right. And now it's like, oh man, you know, they're gone now or they're not going to be training with me. So 
what am I going to do? What What is there for me? Mm-hmm. It's like they're going to. And and John, to John's credit, he's immediately concerned about that. He is it's like, my boy, Sam's going to get left. What are we going to do? Like he like the guys are all celebrating and he's thinking about what what are we going to do about Sam? Because Sam can't get left behind. Yeah, and that, that's 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 one of the things from from day one I've admired about John is his concern about other people. Empathy. Yeah. Em- empathy. Empathy. That yes. like John and Daenerys have that in common. Mm-hmm. Tyrion as well. Yeah, Tyrion it's like we, well. we gotta we gotta care about these people who aren't us because they're going through something. And John especially, he's like, yeah, I've been through shit, but Sam's been through shit, like. In John four, when Sam gives him his whole story about why he's at the wall, Randall, like, Charlie, wow. yeah, yeah, even Ghost, that is a dick. <laughs> even Ghost is like, "Come here, you sweet little lamb. Let me lick mm-hmm. your tears from your face." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's one thing that's so admirable about John is that John is morally good. Mm-hmm. No matter any choices that he he's made that you might not agree with, morally he's good. Yeah, morally he wants to do the right thing. He cares about people. He would make a perfect king. He would, and and I, as much as as much as it would be a quote unquote happy ending, and I know George doesn't really do happy endings. I hope John is king. If, if if not forever, at least for a little while. Well, right now with the Game of Thrones season eight ending that we don't speak of, he is technically king beyond the wall. <laughs> so yeah, this is true. He is a literal king beyond the wall. <laughs> Literally. Um, God, that season was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's wash that taste out of our mouth with this. Um, mm-hmm. So they talk about the different positions at the wall. So there yeah. are stewards, builders, and rangers. Yeah. So John is certain, most everyone is certain that John will be a ranger. To be a ranger, you need to basically be able to fight. You need to be good with right. a sword. Um, we know that he doesn't end up being a ranger. Right. Um, <laughs> but I don't And know. it's and I think it's it's interesting that he doesn't end up like I feel like John's whole story, even you know, going forward, is being thrust into these leadership positions that he doesn't really ask for, but he's good for. Mm-hmm. Like from the time from the time they decide that he's not going to be a ranger, he's going to be a steward, and he's going to be the Lord Commander steward of all things. It's like he's getting thrust in these positions. That's like. Yes, it's not what you want to do, but it helps you to be the man you'll need to be later on. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing about John (laughs) that I admire is that he doesn't look for these positions. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't ask for any of the stuff. It's just given to him. Right. And I do think that John being king would be very poetic because it's definitely not something that he would want. Right. It, he would never want to be king. He never wanted to be Lord Commander. He never wanted to uh, kill Corn Half Hand. 
He never, mm-hmm. he, like he never wanted to do any of the things that he ended up doing. He, he would, but he was groomed basically for, yeah. for it. He never wanted to be Lord of Winterfell. Well, he actually, he did, but when it was offered to him, he didn't take it. Yeah. It was offered think, to him by Stannis and he didn't. Yeah. And, and yeah. And that, that was, that was the one thing that, that, that caught me about him. It was like, when you finally get the thing that in your deepest, darkest fantasies you wanted. And it's like, but it's not really for me. Yeah. Like, this is not how I want it. Cause it was like off the, off the death of Rob, his brother and, and Stannis just needed somebody to take that spot so that he could launch his campaign. And it's like, this isn't, this isn't what I need to be. Yeah. You know? And even when you think about John, like, John thinks about it in this chapter. Like, so John goes and he takes ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so ghosts can eat. And yeah. he's thinking once he swore his vow, the wall would be his home until he was old as Maester Eamon. I have not sworn yet. He muttered. He was no outlaw bound to take the black or pay the penalty for his crimes. He had come here freely and he might leave freely until he said the words. He need only ride on and he could leave it all behind. By the time the moon was full again, he would be back in Winterfell with his brothers. So another thing that's admirable about John is that most of these people at the wall are forced to choose that life Mm -hmm. or they don't have a choice. And the whole way to the wall, Tyrion was telling John like, bro, this ain't what you want. And when he got there, he's, you know, been kind of miserable. Like, it's cold where you sleep. It's lonely. The food isn't that great. Like, they work a lot. They have to do night watches and all this kind of stuff. But John is committed to that. Like, Mm -hmm. committed to it. And I think that speaks highly of who he is as a person. Like, John is definitely a man that will do his duty. Yeah. Like whether it's the duty he chooses or the duty he, that's thrust upon him, he's a, he, that's that's his whole personality. Is I'm gonna do what I have to do because it needs to be done because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it 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 makes me wonder also what would have happened if he decided to ride back south when Rob called the banners after you know obviously the end of Game of Thrones when Eddard's killed and How- Rob calls the banners. How cruel is it that Rob didn't call the banners before John swore his oath? <laughs> oh my God. Like, so, so that's actually one, one of my favorite fan fictions actually explores that. What if John rode south when Rob called the banners? And, or he rides, I think he rides in that story, he rides south when at this moment, at that, when, when, when the, when the other brothers bring him back. Mm-hmm. So say his vows, he instead, he, he says, forget it. I'm riding south to my brother and my family. And, yeah. and it always makes me wonder what if George had written it in that direction. I get why he didn't. Mm-hmm. But especially knowing the type of person John becomes at the wall, it's like, would he have been a similar person had he gone back to Winterfell? Would he have been at the Twins when the Red Wedding happened? Like The wall preserved him. Yeah. It preserved him. It he would have he would have probably died. Because mm-hmm. John 
if you think about it, John would have been with Rob by his side. John was closer to Rob than Theon. That's another that's another question I have. Do you think that Rob would have sent Theon back to the Iron Islands if John was there? Probably because Rob trusted Theon. Rob didn't even listen to his own mother. That's true. So I don't know if he would listen to John. I don't know if John would have even said anything knowing John. Like, would John have said, I don't think you should. I know that John didn't like Theon. Mm -hmm. But I mean, at the Rob should have listened to his mom. Like that's one time he should have listened to his mom. One time he should have listened to Kat. (laughs) Right. So he's thinking about, you know, what if I just leave? What if I just leave the wall, go to Winterfell with my brothers? But then he thinks, you know, like they're my half brothers. Right. And Lady Stark is going to be there and and she's not going to welcome me. And mm-hmm. and he basically is like, you know, there's no place for me in Winterfell. There's no place for me in King's Landing. He's like, even my own mother doesn't have a place for me. Oh, and it, it just makes him sad. And I feel like John is really lost. And the wall is basically what he feels it where he feels he belongs. And it and it and it it stands to reason in that in that next sentence. Jon Snow turned away from the King's Road to look behind him. The fires of Castle Black were hidden behind a hill, but the wall was there, pale beneath the moon, vast and cold, running from horizon to horizon. He wheeled his horse around and started for home. It's telling that he already has decided to call Castle Black home, yep. despite the fact that he still longs for Winterfell. Castle Black is home now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's his home. He's decided. He's decided. I think the minute, the minute that he got on his horse and left Winterfell, he had decided. And no matter how bad the wall was, nothing was going to change his mind because he knew there was no other place for him. So he goes back to the wall and to Castle Black and he goes to talk to Maester Aemon. Um... And this is why I love John. So John, it's late at night. He goes to talk to Maester Eamon. Maester Eamon's stewards are there, Chet and Clytus. <laughs> and um, they're like, you know, Maester Eamon's asleep. You need to come back another time, like in the morning. And John's like, nope, I need to talk to him now. I need to talk to him right now. So, um, Maester Eamon gets up and John talks to Maester Eamon and um, Maester Eamon wasn't really asleep, right? At all. (laughs) Man, I wasn't sleeping. These boys just playing with you. (laughs) (laughs) So I love the relationship between Jon Snow and Maester Eamon. I just want to say that I think Jon Snow's name is Eamon. I have a whole... I, I am with you on that. I am 100% on the Jon Snow's Aemon Targaryen train. So uh. when so when I first started, when I first watched the that reveal episode, when when you know they had the flashback of Lyanna on 
her deathbed and mm-hmm. making Ned promise. And I had initially thought that she named him Jaharis, but thinking about the relationship that he has with Maester Aemon, it would be poetic for his name to be Aemon Targaryen. Yes. Not even just the 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 um relationship that he has with Aemon, but like his favorite, like he would always him and he was talking about him and Rob would always sword fight and Mm-hmm. Um, Rob would be like, I'm Florian the Fool. And John would be like, and I'm Aemon the Dragon Knight. Yes. So there's like all these little pieces. And it that- would be fitting too, because John, as much as he would be, you know, as much as he is a Targaryen and a Stark, he's his own man. And yes. so he would be, if he was declared king, Aemon first of his name, because there's never been a King Aemon. And who's Aemon's brother? Aegon, oh my god. Oh <laughs> my god. And who's John's brother? Aegon. Aegon, oh my god. Oh man. So it like I did a whole video on all the evidence and like this, like this, there's this, this one. This piece. This is this is a big one right here. This is a big piece. So and Gilly, it comes back to him being that third head of the dragon, too. Yeah. Because he's got his brother Aegon and his sister Rhaenys. Listen to this clue, it's gonna blow your mind. All right. Gilly's baby, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A high lord takes Mansurator's son, who's mm-hmm. a, a secret prince. Yeah. Takes right. him and pretends he's his son. Mm-hmm. Why does he take him? To save him from a Baratheon king. Yeah. What's the baby's name? Amen. Right. <laughs> Oh my, god. oh my god. So it's like I can't not think John's name is not Aemon at this point. I I I I just need George to put it on paper. Yeah, I put just it need on it paper. To happen. Just just put it on paper, put it in 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 Dream of Spring. <laughs> we don't even need it in Wind. Put it in Dream of Spring. Yes, yes, yes. Put it in Dream George, please. Please mm-hmm. make it be Aemon. Like if it's not Aemon, why were you trolling us, George? <laughs> George, if you're listening, we're asking you, we're pleading with you. Make it Aemon. so Aemon Targaryen I mean Jon Snow so Jon Snow (laughs) goes to (laughs) Maester Aemon and tells him everything about Sam Mm -hmm. um how you know first he's like I need to talk to you about my friend Sam and Maester Aemon's like well is he sick and Jon's like no he will be though unless you help him and he tells him you know the whole story like about um them sicking ghost on rest um and he's like he's hopeless with a sword like my sister Arya could tear him apart and she's not even 10 if sir alistair makes him fight it will only be a matter of time before he's hurt or killed um and chet <laughs> chet chimes in like he's a pig and a hopeless craven and maester aemon's like okay like maester aemon's thinking about it Chet is like, you know, leave him where he is. The wall is no place for the weak. Let him train until he's ready, no matter how many years that takes. Sir Alistair will make a man of him or kill him as the gods will. And John is like, that's stupid. I remember once I asked Maester Lewin why he wore a chain around his throat. Maester Eamon touched his own collar lightly, his bony wrinkled finger stroking the heavy metal links. Go on. He told me that a maester's collar is made of chain to remind him that he is sworn to serve, 
John said, remembering. I asked why each link was different metal. A silver chain would look much finer with his gray robes. Maester Lewin laughed. A maester forges his chain with study, he told me. The different metals are each of a different kind of learning. Gold for study, of money, and accounts. Silver for healing. Iron for warcraft. And he said there were other meanings as well. The collar is supposed to remind a maester of the realm he serves. Isn't that so? Lords are gold and knights steel, but two links can't make a chain. You also need silver and iron and lead and tin and copper and bronze and all the rest. And those are farmers and smiths and merchants and the like. A chain needs all sorts of metals and the land needs all sorts of people. So John is just straight up kicking out knowledge. Like Mm -hmm. he's laying it down. And this goes to show that John is actually smart (laughs) like he's actually smart to be able like i know a lot of people like think of john as kind of like stupid like not stupid in a sense like victorian Greyjoy stupid but like they don't give him credit for being as smart as he is but for him a lot of that is the show's fault too because the show did not show off how how smart a lot of John's decisions were. Like they showed us more of the stupid decisions he made that caused him to, you know, end up in crazy situations. But there's a reason why, you know, John was made the Lord Commander Stewart. There's a reason why Ned raised him alongside Rob, you know? He's not a stupid kid at all. <laughs> not, not at all. And like by the end of this, John basically convinces Maester Eamon, you know, to to bring Sam on to help him. And mm-hmm. Maester Eamon is like, Maester Lewin taught you well, Jon Snow. Your mind is as deaf as your blade, it would seem. So like Maester Eamon even recognizes that John is not some stupid brute from the North. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to use his mind. He's going to make good decisions. He makes good decisions. And that right. argument that he brought up about the, the chains and links and people is brilliant. Um, So John is like, you know, well, does that mean you're going to do it? And Maester Eamon's like, you know, I'm going to think about it. And Maester Eamon goes to sleep. And right. that is how the chapter ends. So, what is your overall thoughts on this chapter? Like, so, what is something you want to talk about? I I want to talk about this. This conversation is my favorite part of this chapter. I know it's basically half the chapter, but mm-hmm. it's it's my favorite part of this chapter because one, it again showcases John's intelligence, mm-hmm. but it also show it it showcases pretty much everything I like about Jon Snow: his intelligence his care for people, his ability to see potential in people. Because mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, Sam can't fight. He can't hunt. He can't do these things that most men of the Night's Watch can do. But he's smart. Yep. He can read and you can use him. Everybody has their uses. And there's no point. I think I think he's calling on his, his belief still that the Night's Watch is a place that is necessary. And so if the Night's Watch is necessary, then everyone that's there should be necessary. Right. So he's like, it's, it'll be a waste for Sam to be here and you don't use him to the potential he has because he's a smart guy. 
and his his father sent him here because his father's a dick but we can't keep him here and have sir alistair treat him like the way he's treating him and his potential gets wasted right and i like and i like that maester aemon doesn't like turn him away immediately he's like you know let's let's hear him out let's hear what john has to say about this kid and maybe it'll bring something there's a quote um that I really love. I forget who the quote is by. It's not in A Song of Ice and Fire, but it reminds me of this, um, mm-hmm. this chapter, this conversation that they're having. It says, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Oh, I love that quote. So everybody has something that they're good at. Mm-hmm. And John is noticing that and it's not just john it's daenerys too like mm-hmm. daenerys in essos she takes people that others would never take a second look at like john does it with the wildlings daenerys does it with slaves and dothraki she takes those people and treats them as human and gives them their due you know and john does, does it? it too Tyrion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Bran to an extent. Like mm-hmm. they all parallel. They all yeah. have these parallels, all the characters. Arya. Mm-hmm. Arya, um, you know, she's hanging, she's slumming it, hanging with the people. But yeah. but John, Tyrion, and Danny specifically because they are in powerful positions. Yeah. They are they are queens, lord commanders and hands of the kings like Tyrion does it with Bronn and the the stone crows and the moon brothers mm-hmm. you know and John does it with the wildlings like it's and Sam and Pip and Gren it's 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 amazing how George ties them all together it's 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 my it's my those three are my three heads of the dragon. So do you think Tyrion's going to ride a dragon? I I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm on the fence still about whether, because I remember, I remember listening to you talk about it, how, how you feel about Tyrion being a Lannister or a Targaryen. And mm-hmm. I'm on the fence because I would love for Tyrion to be a, a secret Targaryen. Because it, it makes sense. Because you've got you've got John, a secret Targaryen. You've got Tyrion, a secret Targaryen. You've got Danny, not a secret Targaryen, but a Targaryen in hiding. And so it would be those three coming together and being the three heads of the dragon would be poetic. But Tyrion being Tywin's son is such a good literary, yeah thing i think george has it but i don't think he's decided like Mm -hmm. i do not think he's decided what he's going to do with Tyrion, or if it's something that we're ever going to learn for Mm -hmm. sure because there is like since i've been doing obsidian knights and rereading even though i've reread this shit a thousand times but when you bring on multiple guests with multiple opinions and they bring up brilliant points you can't deny that there is evidence for Tyrion Targaryen. 
Yeah, tons from, of it from 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 day one, from first Tyrion chapter. First we've Tyrion got, chapter. We've got we've got evidence for that, and I think either way it goes, it'll be good. I don't know, and for all we know, the three heads of the dragon may not be a Targaryen thing. It may just be you know, it may be a Targaryen dynasty, but Tyrion being that third head doesn't necessarily mean he has to be a Targaryen. It could mean he's just that third necessary piece for things to go the way they need to. I wonder where Aegon would fit into this because I don't necessarily think that Aegon is Rhaegar's son, but mm-hmm. I do think he has Targaryen blood or yeah. like, I think he's a black fire for sure. I, I agree. I think, I think he's, I think he's um, Illyrio's son with Sarah. Yeah. I, Cause I think Sarah's a black fire. Yeah. I a hundred percent on the same page. <laughs> so, that is John five. Do you have anything that you want to add before we wrap up? Um, let me see. I, I just, I, no, nah, I think I'm good on this chapter. I would definitely love to talk more about John anytime or any other <laughs> characters you're willing to bring me back on for. You can come on anytime. Just, um, hit up Nim Shadow and anyone listening, you can also hit up Nim Shadow. Just hit her up and let her know you want to come back on for another episode and she will set you right on up. Good. Maybe you I, should come on for Tyrion. I would love to. <laughs> I think I have some Tyrion for a Clash of Kings. All right. I'll 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 ask her about that. I'm not sure how far she's scheduled out, but mm-hmm. um I know she's scheduling for a Clash of Kings and we could talk about Tyrion and King's Landing. Oh yes. <laughs> Tyrion and King's Landing is oh god, that's great content. Well, I want to thank you for coming and thank you everyone for listening. I will see you guys next week. Don't forget to check out his links in the description box. Bye.